he's staying with us as we open in worship. Yeah, let's give all our veterans a big round of applause. Thank you for your service. Well, I would be hopeless without your goodness. I would be desperate without your love. Slave to the darkness, if it was for the cross. You have won me with your kindness, chased me down when I was lost. Where would I be if it wasn't for?
Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for paying the price for our freedom, Lord. Once and for all, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you. May it be the cry of our hearts this morning, Father, as we lift our voices to you, whatever kind of weak, and you know, Father, that each person here this morning has had. You know and you see it and you understand us completely. Thank you, Father, for buying our freedom on the cross. And if there's anyone here this morning, Father, that is searching and struggling, Father, and has come to the end of themselves, Father, we pray this morning that you would prepare their hearts to hear of the best news they could ever hear, that you can buy their freedom too if they let you. Father, thank you for the church, and it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Sunset Hills Baptist. We're going to continue worshiping in here in just a moment, but we want to take this moment to say welcome and good morning. If this is your first morning with us, we are so glad that you are here with us. And if you're watching on our live stream, we're so glad that you've tuned in and joined us this morning as well, wherever you're at. And if this is your first time, we'd love to talk to you more, to get to know you more. We have a desk out there in the foyer area. We'd love for you to stop by after this morning so we can just shake your hand or give you a fist bump or or I don't know, whatever else people are doing these days to say hello, a salute, an air high five, whatever it is that you do, we'd love to meet you and make you feel welcome this morning. Uh, isn't it good to be together this morning? Amen. Amen. Worship team, continue to lead us. Joy of the Lord. 
praise you God and we sing of your goodness Lord God I was just reminded this week in a conversation that that God although in our minds we would love to know that you're a faithful God that God we can go back in time and we can look at all the times that we needed you to be faithful and God you always were So God, in those tough times that we may be facing right now or or in the days to come, God, we've got a great history with you. That Lord, we're able to pair that with our faith. And God, that just makes us stronger. And just to realize, God, that all those times that we needed you to be faithful, God, and you were, because you wanted to be. Lord, you want to be faithful today and tomorrow and and all the days. God, you want to be good to us. And God, we, we just love you for that. God, we can't wrap our minds around why because god there's so many times that we fall short and we fail you lord but every day our mercies are renewed each and every morning god you you just pour out your goodness on us god i pray that we never take that for granted lord as we enter this time of spoken word and worship god lord i just thank you for the the word god that you've laid on pastor steve's heart anoint this time god speak to our hearts God, if you call us to do something bold this morning, let us be courageous and respond in that time of invitation. Lord, let everything that we do bring glory to you. We love you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Good morning, Sunset Hills. Are you still cold from being outside? It's like... If you like the way the weather has turned off chilly and cold, uh, would you raise your hand right now? Uh, We need some folks to escort these people out. (laughs) Actually, the rest of you all can go home, and I'll just preach to them. How's that work? Right? I don't like cold weather. Nothing about it, right? I've gotten to the point I don't even like hot weather anymore, right? So it's like, what what's it going to take to make you happy? It is. It feels like turning winter all of a sudden without much fall. I'm glad you're here this morning. You're looking awfully good, what I can see of you. Uh, we're in our third week of a uh, series called What's Your Story? This past uh, Sunday evening, Pastor Kelly, Pastor Mike, and Chairman of Deacons Alvin Jones and I slipped away to Rock Island State Park for a time of doing some planning for the coming year. It was a very productive time away, and I believe our church will uh, see wonderful results of our planning in the days ahead that we were able to do. So we thought we would just take some little bit of time. We've got to do some walking over to Rock Island State Park. we got a picture of ourselves here, and then that a good-looking group? It's kind of a scary group, to be honest with you, but uh, 
There are all sorts of stories that go along with that. I, I truly enjoy Rock Island State Park. It's an interesting place where the Collins and the Caney Fork Rivers converge. And at that particular place, there's a dam that's located where the two rivers come together. And below the dam is this picturesque gorge nestled, if you've never been there, between Smithville, Sparta, and McMinnville. Actually, this particular dam, and you'll see a, a, a picture of it here shortly, there was a movie that was filmed there. This, I think this dam was built maybe in the 1930s, and it's really kind of a cool place. Uh, does anybody know the, the movie that was filmed where uh, Sylvester Stallone was the actor, and it's showing him jumping off of the dam into the river? Anybody know that, that movie? What? It's not Rambo. It's... It's closed, no. I, I, it's called The Specialist. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go and watch it, but it's just kind of there, and that, that movie was filmed there. It's really a, kind of a cool place to, to go to. A few years ago, uh, we were there after the area had received about eight inches of rain, and the river was gushing through the gorge. I have some video I want you to take a look at of that particular day we were there. Take a look. That's the dam there, you recognize it? I'm gonna kind of narrate a little bit as we go along here. Uh, as there was just a tremendous amount of water that was flowing through, and this is unusual. Normally it's not quite this much volume of water that's going on. But in just a moment, the, 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 you'll see looking down the opposite way, and I want you to see the, the waterfalls there, the twin, it's called Twin Falls, and just down below where they generate power. There was a guy up there filming with a drone, and just it's going to freeze in just a second. And I want you to look at, uh, you'll see a guy in a kayak coming down the river. Just watch, see, and I'll see. I can't really show it to you. But do you see him right there, right up above where the rock column is? And he's just right up, but you see him coming down right through there? That's how much water is. It was really amazing to see this. Watch. Boom. You know, isn't that cool? Anybody want to do that? There's the one or two. Like, yeah. This was really pretty neat. I actually have it in slow motion in case you missed it. Take a watch here. Just kind of let it run for a second. He's going on down the river. Here he goes. Slow motion. It was really cool that day that we were there to catch this. I wish I had the video of the, from the drone that was going on during that time. And I can imagine the stories that this guy had as he was, as he was going down that fast river white water. Uh, again, this is looking the opposite way. This is a picture I took just the other day when we were there. And you'll see the Twin Falls. And I have it there because I, too, have a story about this place. Some of y'all have heard this story. Uh, I wasn't in a kayak, but I was in a canoe on a day like this. And you, many of you have heard me tell about Brett, the time Brett, Andrew, and I 
We, we decided we wanted our own little bit of white water. It was down below the falls there, and it was rushing because they were generating, so quite a bit of water was going down the river, not near as much as this, but it was fast in a canoe. You should not try to do white water in a canoe. That's all there is to it. You shouldn't do it. I, I lost my canoe that, and that, that weekend, and it was just part of a bunch of stories that we had coming back from a camping trip that was one of the worst camping trips that anybody could ever have in our family history. And we always kind of refer to that as being a bad camping trip. In fact, it was almost the end of the story for Andrew when he got trapped underwater with a swift, swift current pushing him against the canoe and the rocks. And it was, we still thank God that Brett and I were able to pull him up out from under that rushing water. It took everything we had. It was almost the end of his story. It was almost the end of my story, too, when Lynn found out about it and I got back to the campsite. It was not good. Uh, she actually, I can remember exactly what she said. That's one of the stupidest things you've ever done in your life. Remember, it stands out because she didn't say anything else for, to me the rest of the camping trip. We all have a collection of stories, don't we? that make up our lives. Some of them bring back happy memories, and some of our stories are very tragic, and they dredge up really sad thoughts. And Some of our stories may not have been so pleasant, but it's possible that you learn from the most, some of the most valuable lessons of your life from past experiences. Is that not true? That maybe some of the best lessons that you've learned have been when things weren't so good, and you learn that life uh, has a way of teaching you some things. Unfortunately, some people never seem to learn from their past. We've been looking at a bunch of different characters in the Bible and taking a deep dive into their stories. And I'm calling this particular sermon Lessons from Korah. Uh, and, and this is another story from the book of Numbers, chapter 16. And it's concerning the children of Israel and their march through the wilderness under the leadership of Moses. Though God had brought miracle after miracle in their deliverance from Egyptian bondage, Yet the children of Israel continually found themselves in this state of rebellion against the leadership that God placed over them, and indeed against God himself who had delivered them. You no doubt are familiar with how the Israelites were taken captives by the Egyptians and made slaves. And it just seemed like, like the, the, the more generations that would come after that uh, who were born in Egypt, they, they didn't have to be made slaves. They were born slaves and no, had, had no power to rescue themselves from the iron fist of Pharaoh. So you're familiar with that. They really needed a savior and they needed a deliverer, someone who would step up and with the power of God, deliver them from their plight. God was aware of that where they were and called Moses to go tell Pharaoh to let the people go. And you may remember last week we looked at how Moses used the power of his staff to convince Pharaoh that he was God's man and that it would be best for him to let the people go. You remember what he had? He had a staff in his hand. He throws it down. It becomes a snake. 
Others could do it, but eventually the staff that Moses had, Aaron had, he was able to eat the other snakes, and that proved he was God's man for the job. Let's fast forward in the journey of the Israelites, and remember that they had made it all the way to the Jordan River, and they reached this boundary of the promised land that God had given to Abraham. And they're at the, right at the edge of the Jordan River and just across is what the Bible describes as the, as the land that flowed with milk and honey. It's a great place. It's something that they had looked forward to, and they're right on the edge of it. It had everything in it that they would ever need to be happy and powerful and, and prosperous and a godly nation. And all they had to do was just trust God and be obedient, and they would be, and, and the land that He had promised them would be theirs. But nothing comes from God without a living, active faith, and that's what they lacked. And it's just as true today as it was then. I often wonder how many times that I've been standing right on, the, right on the edge of something great that God's going to do in my life, but I failed to demonstrate the faith to take the step into the river, into the promised land. How many times have I looked to see that God has something better for me, but I stopped short of seeing His glory because of my lack of faith? More times than I want to remember has been a part of my story. I wonder if that maybe is true with you as well. God has said, step out by faith and take the land that's before you. And yet you faltered at the lack of faith. God has said, step into the river. See what's on the other side. But you start thinking, well, it's awfully safe here. It's a little too scary for me to step in the unknown out there. I just don't think I can take that step. Or maybe I've just become so comfortable that I don't want anything to mess it up. Some people would stand by the river looking over into the place where God said that they should go. Maybe it's a, a deeper relationship or maybe it's becoming more active in the ministry of the church or, or, or into a work that you've been called to do, but they just simply won't step into the direction that God wants them to go because of a lack of faith and trust in God to bring it to pass. Unfortunately, I'm watching this, maybe you're seeing it as well, many churches are doing this compromising their values and beliefs to the point that it's hard to tell that there's any difference whatsoever in the way that they choose to do life and what the culture chooses to do. It's getting very difficult to see the difference. Or they exist, but they're just too comfortable, and they forget why they truly do exist. I'm just wondering sometimes, are we at Sunset Hills this way? We just become so comfortable that we aren't willing to take a risk anymore and step out on faith. What about you as an individual? Faith is something that the children of Israel showed a lack of, 
at every turn over and over they they complained against God and they felt that it had was much better to be back in Egypt rather than risk going into the promised land now I want you to just think about this it wasn't Moses's fault that they never entered the promised land it certainly wasn't Aaron's fault that they had no faith it wasn't even God's fault that they wouldn't trust him and follow him in victory. It was their own lack of faith in spite of all that God had done for them. They had the slave mentality that had kept them in bondage in Egypt, and though God had taken them out of Egypt, they hadn't taken Egypt out of their own hearts and minds. And here at the brink of a great victory and the fulfillment of the promises of God, their faith failed, and they turned back into the wilderness to wander another 40 years. A whole generation of faithless children of God, they perish in the wilderness because they never really obtained, they never really caught sight of what God wanted for them and was willing to step out. Now, what happened was this, and we see it so often today. They started grumbling. You ever been around a grumbling person? The Disney character Eeyore comes to mind. You have any Eeyores in your life? Don't raise your hand. You have any at all? I've got a bunch. None of you. They're the ones that aren't here today, right? Uh, But it just really gets old being around Eeyores, is it not? Just always got to find something negative to say. And then, you know what happens when Eeyore gets around other people? They start trying to convince others to be just like them. They start grumbling and try to get other people to start grumbling with them. And the leaders, the people here, as we find out in this 16th chapter of Numbers, they're kind of the same way. Some of them become unhappy. And they start questioning the leadership of Aaron and Moses. So here we learn about Korah's story. It's truly a story of rebellion. So we pick up in chapter 16, and we're going to kind of read most of the chapter, about a little over half of it. So just kind of follow along as we go there. It goes like this, Korah, son of Izar, the son of Kobiath, the son of Levi, and certain Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram, Sons of Eliab and On, how would you like to have a name as On? On, hello On. And On's not mentioned much. He, he sort of does his own thing, it looks like. But he's the son of Peleth, became insolent. Don't you like that word? They become insolent, grumbling. They're not happy. And rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. So this leader of the group that became so insolent, his name is Korah, who is a Levite, but a non-descendant of Aaron. He has an ulterior motive to assume the priesthood for himself. So he's, he's trying to do everything he can to undermine the power of Moses and Aaron to ascend himself. Now, he, he's 
Actually, he's been given a place of privilege already. He should be happy with the blessings that he has. He's the grandson of Kohath. Um, His grandfather, Kohath, occupied an important place in the ministry of the Lord. The family was one of three families who were appointed to serve in the sanctuary. Uh, The Kohath... Kohites had the highest honor of caring for the holiest things uh, in the tabernacle assigned to them. They were in charge of the holiest things in the tent meeting or the tabernacle. And this was a place of honor. We don't kind of understand that, but it was a place of honor for them to be there. But Korah wanted more. He wasn't satisfied with his position and status he had, that he'd been blessed with. And in his heart was his true self coming out. It was a heart of jealousy, of envy, and rebellion against the will of God. If he had only been content with the blessing of God, the question begs, are we content with what we have? I mean, there's a whole other sermon series on commitment that we could do. Do we appreciate what we've been given? Or do we desire to covet what others have? Korah was not content. So what he does happens so often in today's time. He goes out and he starts sharing his displeasure with others. And he starts forming this alliance of people. He starts with four. And eventually it moves into over 250 influential people. It seems to happen so often today. Someone gets unhappy and before long they start recruiting others to join in with them. And many people will often motivate others in the wrong way. Look after their own interests and take advantage of people's trust, their fear and their ignorance. Have you ever been around something like that? It's not very pleasant. I, I, let me stop here, though, and say this. That one thing I am absolutely grateful for at Sunset Hills is the culture we have of unity. You know what? That deserves an amen. We have in this church a culture of unity. And I will tell you that we have had, it's not that people, we haven't had people who have voiced uh, their dissension from time to time. On occasion we have. But I'll just tell you that God has just taken care of those people. He's just moved them on away someplace else. They can go sow their bad seeds someplace else. At Sunset Hills, we have been blessed with a spirit of unity. And it is a pleasure to serve here as pastor with that culture. Because here's the real deal about this. Nothing good comes out of strife. Whether it's in a church, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in a family, nothing good comes out of strife. And more and more what I'm discovering is that when, when a church, for instance, starts having strife within its, uh, within its congregation, within the body, you know what people do? Now, there may be a few who are trying to stir it up. But on the whole, uh, more and more people just say, well, if that's the way it's going to be, I'm going to have anything to do with it, and they go someplace else. Thank goodness we don't have that here. 
And you know what? It's our responsibility. It's my responsibility as a pastor. It's uh, the responsibility of our staff. It is the responsibility of our deacon body, our leadership. It is the responsibility of every individual to guard against strife. Here's what Proverbs says about it. Starting a quarrel. Hey, you know what? If, you, if, you're, in a, if you're married, you might want to take this home with you today. It's a good scripture, right? Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Is that not a good scripture to practice in your relationships, in your marriage? Hey, can you imagine had that wall of water behind that, what is it, what's the name of that dam? Fall, fall, what? You know? The one that I showed on the video. Rock Island Dam? I really? I don't think so. Somebody look it up on, somebody check it out. Let's do a fact check right quick. You know, what's the name of the dam at, uh, at Rock Island State Park? Okay, whatever it is. What if all of a sudden you started getting a crack out of that? There was a massive amount of water that was coming across that dam just from eight inches of rain. What if had all the water had burst through, Center Hill Dam wouldn't have been big enough. Now, that's Center Hill Dam on the farther end. There's another one up here. That's the one I'm talking about. Are you, forget it. Yeah. Kelly and I are going to have an argument here before it's over with. Yeah. About the name of a dam. Wait a minute. Back up. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. Don't even go there. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's just like letting it come. Korah fed his poison to four others from another tribe. And eventually, he gets two. 150 other men involved, influential people. It's a good lesson here. How dangerous is it to follow the wrong influence? Many people motivate others in the wrong way. And they take advantage of people. It's really amazing how easily people can be deceived. Scripture says this, said that the well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council, these were smart men, these 250. They had it all together. They were some of the best minds and leaders of Israel. It just goes to show you that no one is immune to negative influence. We all can get caught in that trap from time to time. Rick Weatherby just popped in and said, what is it? It is the Great Falls Dam. I was right and you were wrong. The Great Falls Dam. You better watch who you follow here. You can follow somebody that doesn't know or follow somebody that does. You better watch who you follow, all right? It's amazing what will happen if you follow the wrong crowd. We can so easily get duped into following the wrong crowd. I once had this very wise boss, if I mention his name, some of you would know him. When I was much younger, I worked, in fact, I'll just say his name was Bob Glouse. He was uh, a member of our church many years ago. I had the privilege of uh, preaching his funeral. Uh, he, he hired me straight out of college, and I worked for him at Belmont, at Belmont College. And he told me one day, he gave me some really good advice. It seems that he knew this, uh, a particular person on staff there better than I did. 
and he felt like this man was having way too much influence over me. So he told me this thing that I've never forgotten. He said, be careful who you hitch your wagon to. Anybody ever heard that saying before? Be careful who you hitch your wagon to. And it turned out he was right. That eventually this man that he was so concerned about got fired because he was stealing from the university. He was telling me, be careful who you allow to influence you. Be careful who you align with. Be careful who we allow to be in our lives to pull us from where maybe we need to be. We're reminded by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. It happens. We saw it happen with Korah. And at heart, he was rebellious. I remember when I was a teenager, the word rebellion was used quite often to describe others. Usually it was to describe a kid who was going against what seemed to be everything opposite of what his parents stood for. He's just going through a rebellious state. He's just rebelling. It was not a favorable character. We don't seem to use that word much anymore. Rebellion. For what was considered rebellious in times past rather seems to be celebrated today. Is that right? not right? It's become quite fashionable to go against the grain. Just do whatever makes you happy. Don't pay any attention to any guardrails or rules or certainly Scripture. We just don't seem to be concerned at all about rebelling against God's Word. The heart of man believes that he should be the master of his own destiny and the ruler of his own life in spite of what God says about it. Pride and selfishness reigns in the hearts of many from time to time, including us. Korah and his followers decided how they would do, go about this, so they call a meeting and they confront Moses and Aaron with their grievances. So we go to verse 3. Watch this. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, Watch it, man, this just stings. You have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them. And the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? It's strong language against Moses. It's one thing, and I think it's certainly appropriate, for us to question God from time to time of what's going on in our life. But it's a whole different ballgame to come to God with an attitude that we know it all. In fact, I think uh, there's a conversation between God and Job towards the end of, of the chapter of Job that talks about that. Like, who are you? And, and he just goes through this whole list of, of things about what do you really know about this, uh, about how the, all the world works. And he says, who really are you to be trying to outsmart me as God? Their accusation against Moses and Aaron is quite simple. They accuse Moses and Aaron of taking way too much power for themselves. Just who do you think you are? Who are you, Moses, that you have this authority over us? What rights do you have to tell us what to do and what we can't do? 
You just got way too much power. It's time for you to share your power with others. I mean, really, we're just as holy as you are. What makes you any better? And they go on and say, oh, and Aaron, you fit that same category. Verse 4 says, when Moses heard this, he fell face down. It's obvious that this rebellion saddens Moses. And he immediately fell on his face before God. He didn't lash back at them, although he probably thought that that's what he wanted to do. Instead, what he does, he falls down and he starts praying for these men and all the camp of Israel. For Moses knew that what they had done was not against him, but ultimately it was against God. I believe he must have prayed, Lord, you've got to help me deal with this situation because I really don't know how. And then he, before he ever responds, you see, here's another good lesson here. And when we find ourselves in a situation that's new or we've never faced before, somebody's attacking us, the first thing we should do is pray. Pray to God, say, I need help with this. This is new territory for me. Uh, these are my friends that are rising up against me. This is my family that's challenging me. Help me respond in the most appropriate way that in, we hope will lead them back to you, God. Moses doesn't try to vindicate himself. Rather, he says, I'm placing this in your hands for you to handle. What they had failed to take into account or just plain ignored was that it was God who set Moses and Aaron up over the children of Israel. And Moses understood just how serious it was that they would confront him. And what does he do? He cries out to God for these men and for Israel. And I think there's a lesson here for, for Christians. Rather than take a position to disgust and withdraw from people who live a rebellious lifestyle before God, we should pray for them. Verse 5 says this, And he said to Korah and his followers, this is Moses speaking, In the morning the Lord will show you show who belongs to him and who is holy. And he will have that person come near to him. The man he chooses, he will cause to come near him. And Moses, he doesn't back down while he is praying for them. He doesn't back down. He doesn't cower to the pressure. He, he, I think he, the, the reason he's able to, to kind of stand here and, and, and handle it this way is because he had learned to trust God in other situations, and he'd seen God work in their lives, and he knew that God's presence was with him. So great leaders are able to stand, even when people that they're counting on disappoint. And, and boldly demonstrate faith in God. It's what Moses is doing. Verse 6 says, You, Korah, and all your followers are to do this. Take censers, and tomorrow put burning coals and incense in them before the Lord. The man the Lord chooses will be the one who is holy. You Levites have gone too far. Moses also said to Korah, Now listen, you Levites. 
Isn't it enough for you that God of Israel has separated you from the rest of Israel community? He's reminding them of their privilege. And brought you near himself to do the work of the Lord's tabernacle and to stand before the community and minister to them. He has brought you and all your fellow Levites near himself, but now you're trying to get the priesthood too. It is against the Lord that you and all your followers have banded together. You see what he's doing? He said, it's not against me. It's not against Aaron. What you're doing is against God. Who is Aaron that you should grumble against him? So then he ends his speech to Korah and the company by pointing out that Moses isn't the one who put the system together. It was God who did this. All of this, the, the leadership is designed by God. Then Moses summoned Dathan, Abiram, the sons of Eliab. Then, but they said, watch this. Boy, now this is a dangerous place. We will not come. They take a really strong stand in defiance of Moses. Is it enough that you have brought, up, brought us up out of the land of flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? And now you also want to lord it over us? Watch this. Their defiance becomes so great that they are now seeing where they were held captive as slaves as being the land of milk and honey rather than the land that God had promised them. In other words, they're looking backwards and they're saying, man, what we had, even though we were in captivity, is so much better than what God wants to take us. How terrible it is when we become so rebellious that we can't see God for who He is and obey the law of God. Isaiah 5.20 warns us about this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet bitter. Doesn't that sound familiar to the culture we live in? Don't we see this today? Really and truly, we stop and think about it. Christianity in America, in today's time, is getting a bad rap. It's true. And we are losing our influence as believers. They go on, verse 14. This is them grumbling, complaining. Moreover, if you haven't brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards, do you want to treat these men like slaves? No, we will not come. I'm going to tell you, when I read these words, my heart couldn't help but sink for a world that's basically saying the same thing today. No, God, we will not come. Basically, we're saying, we don't need Jesus. We can save ourselves. It's a sad place where we realize when we recognize or we fail to recognize that our country needs God. 
But by and large, it appears to me that the majority of America says, we don't need you any longer, God. And to me, that's very sad. Let me just finish up reading the story here. Then Moses became very angry and said to the Lord, do not accept their offering. I have not taken so much as a donkey from them, nor have I wronged any of them. Moses said to Korah, you and all your followers are to appear before the Lord tomorrow, you and they and Aaron. Each man is to take a censer and put incense in it, 250 censers in all, and present it before the Lord. You and Aaron are to present your censers also. So each of them took their censer, put burning coals and incense in it, and stood with Moses and Aaron at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Korah had gathered all his followers in opposition to them at the entrance of the tent of the meeting, the glory of the Lord appeared to the entire assembly. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Separate yourselves from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. But Moses and Aaron fell face down and cried out, O God, the God who gives breath to all living things, will you be angry with the entire assembly when only one man sins? Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the assembly, Move away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Moses got up and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. He warned the assembly, Move back from the tents of these wicked men. Do not touch anything belonging to them, or you will be swept away because of their sins. So they moved away from the tents of Korah, Datham and Dathan and Abiram. Dathan and Abiram had come out and were standing with their wives. And remember, these were the ones who said, we won't come. But they're standing now outside, and they're with their wives and children and little ones at the entrance to the tents. Then Moses said, this is how you will know the Lord has sent me to do all these things, and that is not my idea. If these men die a natural death and suffer the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. But the Lord brings about something totally new. And the earth opens up its mouth and swallows them and everything that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the realm of the dead. Then you will know that these men have treated the Lord with contempt. Wow. It's pretty serious. As soon as he finished saying these things, the ground under them split apart, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households. And all those associated with Korah, together with their possessions, they went down alive into the realm of the dead with everything they owned. The earth closed over them. It wasn't enough just to let them sink down. The earth closes over them. And they perish and were gone from the community. At their cries, all of the Israelites around them fled, shouting, The earth is going to swallow us too. And the fire came down from the Lord and consumed 250 men who were offering the incense. Now, I'd like to tell you that these people of Israel saw how God vindicated Moses and Aaron. But that's not the case. You would think after they witnessed all of these things that they had learned their lesson. But no, they actually began complaining once again and here's what they said. You killed the Lord's people. Rather than seeing what Moses had said and acknowledging that, they were now blaming Moses for killing these men. And for this act of rebellion, 
God decided that he, he threatened to destroy the whole congregation. And what does he do? He sends a plague. However, Moses and Aaron intercedes for the rebels and averted a complete catastrophe. In the end, 14,700 people of the, of the Israelites had died. You can read more about what happens in the latter part of chapter 16. Let me close by this. I want you to understand, we need to understand, I need to understand this. Make no mistake, God deals with rebellion. Korah's story is a story of rebellion and how God chose to deal with it. Ultimately, we all have rebellion in our lives. It's called sin. Rebellion is opposite of God's design for us. It's in opposition to His authority. We all have this propensity of having a seed of rebellion nestled inside of our hearts. But there's a but. God gives us a path to overcome rebellion. Can you say amen to that? He gives us a path. He's merciful, and He wants to give us a chance to overcome a rebellious spirit. How did He do it? He did it with Jesus coming into this world. And in that we find mercy, and in that we find grace. If you remember, opportunity after opportunity was given to these men. To those four that started the whole problem... To those 250 that joined in, there was opportunity for them to say, we are wrong, we're not going to do this anymore, and, and to live like all the rest of the nation had lived, eventually. The same kind of opportunity is given to us today to experience the grace and mercy that is found through Jesus Christ. So how do we deal with rebellion? First, we have to acknowledge that exists. Sin in our life, we have to acknowledge it. And we have to acknowledge that there's only one way to overcome the sin, and that's through Jesus Christ. It was God's path for us to be reconciled and into a relationship with the Heavenly Father. The question is, will we learn lessons? Are we doomed to make the same lessons, mistakes, over and over? You see, ultimately, it's our choice as to how we choose to live. In rebellion or in relationship? Would you pray with me, please? Father, I realize this is not really an evangelistic message. Although a life without Christ is a life that's constantly in rebellion. And maybe there's one here or two or others that they're at that place. I pray they would be able to see that, that, that rebellious state that they're in. They, they may think, oh, I'm good. I, I am a, I'm not a bad person. But yet, a life without 
Christ being the Lord and Savior is a life of rebellion. In fact, the Bible says that we're dead. And to have life is to have Christ. So I pray if there's one here that doesn't know Jesus, that today they would give their heart to him. And I pray for many others. Maybe there's some act in our life where we're just uh, secretly rebelling. This, this secret sin that we have. Maybe it's how we view others. Maybe we're the kind that likes to stir it up. Maybe we just like to quarrel. All of these are things, Father, you tell us not to do in your word. And pray that you would help us to be confronted with our own rebellious spirit. And look to you to help us overcome it. Father, if there's anyone here that needs to do business with you today during this invitation, that they would move from that place where they're sitting now, they would come to this altar and square everything up with you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand as we sing. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Salvation, heroes and 
say amen to that father that he did to conquer the grave and in that we're able to conquer sin we're able to conquer rebellion and live in harmony with you I pray that as we leave here shortly that that will be our greatest desire this week is to try to do things according to your plan your will and we present ourselves as your people in such a way that others would look at us and say wow there's something there that I need in my life. We're able to say it's Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. Amen. Everyone, if you could uh, draw your attention this way, Sandy's going to talk just a little bit about uh, some new things coming up in our library. How many of you have uh, been in and checked out the library already? Well, I encourage you today, if you haven't already, she's going to share just a couple of new things going on. Hey guys, really, really quick. So I just wanted to let you know library is still in the works, but up and running. So you are welcome to come in anytime that the church is open before and after services on Wednesdays. Um, if you're here for Bible study and whatnot, it is open and we're trying to make it to where you guys can just go in at your leisure and uh, check things out uh, without much assistance. So um, I'll go over that really quick. But I did want to let you know that um, this week, uh, Miss Kathy Graves has been very, very busy helping me um, card some new books, mainly in the children's section, as well as we have a lot of cookbooks up, and we are starting on our Christmas um, uh, selections and stuff to be on the shelves. So go in and check it out. There is stuff for every single person, and I just truly, truly believe that when we put in good things uh, into our minds that um, it just helps us play, uh, stay in a really uh, spirit-filled place. So there's some awesome stuff in there. Um, these are some of my kids' books. I have board books. I have picture books. I have readers, and I even have stuff from middle school and high school age kids, too. Um, all you have to do when you go in, if you do want to check something out, is in every single book, there is a sleeve and... is a sleeve in the back just pull the card put your date put your name and there's a box on a table in there just pop it into that box there's also a legal pad right beside if you wouldn't mind putting your name and phone number down there's also a place for a wish list if there's anything that you would like to see in the library um, Pastor Steve is going to make that possible for us. And um, we will constantly add some new stuff based on what your likings are. When you are done with the book and you are ready to return it, all I need you to do is just stick the book on the white table that you put the card in. I might have the card, so I'll reshelf them um, onto the uh, bookshelves. That is all. Thank you. Awesome. And I appreciate your faith in me that I can make all their wishes come through in the library. Absolutely. You know all the book people. <laughs> Hey, I do want to let you know, uh, we want to thank you so much. You guys are going to be such a blessing uh, to some families. The uh, Thanksgiving food drive is looking so awesome out there. And the deadline for that is November the 20th. So uh, we encourage you to get that last bit of food in before November 20th. And uh, we'll make that available through the Nolensville Food Bank. And uh, we appreciate the ladies from Friday Friends for heading that up so much, doing a good job. Also, favorite things, our ladies' ministry. 
Um, if you haven't already uh, signed up for that, please do that. You can get information in the church foyer. Lynn will be out there, RSVP. Bring three of your favorite things, the same things. Um, and that's on December 1st. It's going to be a great time. I'll tell you, Thursday, we were here while the ladies were doing their soup and share. And uh, I was a little jealous. We were working hard. And y'all were just out there cackling away. And... Uh, enjoying time together but it was awesome i loved it parents night out you saw the slide on that just want to give you just a quick reminder december the 10th a great opportunity uh, moms and dads to get out and do some christmas shopping uh, we'll we'll keep up with those uh, young ones there and also christmas decorating get in the christmas spirit together as we prepare uh, for the season and that's going to be november the 29th those announcements that i have you have something you want to present so if you come on that day for decorating, if you come and help us out, uh, we'll, we'll provide you with lunch. We always have a time of fellowship at that time. We're always happy when people decide that they, when they come into our community and they're looking for a church home and they uh, are visiting around, and we're always happy when they say, look, we found Sunset Hills, and we want to become part of that church ministry there and make this their church home. So this morning... Maurice and Luz Carroll come. Come on, come up here and join me in just a minute. Uh, they come. They moved here from West Tennessee, Obion County, right? That's right. Yeah, and uh, they came to Nolensville, and we're so happy that they've become part of the community, even more joyed that they're choosing to become part of our church work here and our church family. So I want you to make them feel welcome. Thank you. Thank you first that you're saved and you're part of our, our, our family, the family of God. And thank you now that you've come become part of our church family. I'm going to invite you to go back out into the lobby close to where I stand out there every Sunday morning. And folks, please come by and welcome them into our church and tell them who they are because they've got great memories and they'll remember each and every one of you as they come around. You can go ahead and head out, out that way. Yeah. Okay. All right. Pastor Steve Horton asks if you will come up on stage. We've got one last thing. Uh, Mr. Center is going to come up. Uh, I do want to take a moment and just say thank you for the way you all have loved on us. Uh, the month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and we got several cards. I know all as a staff, and uh, it was so meaningful, and we appreciate that. But uh, today's a special day, and I'm going to let Mr. Center tell you all about it. All right, thank you. Mr. Steve. Yes, sir. It's always a scary thing when you're up here with me. I know it is. He's got about 20 pages of sermon I got this <laughs> this is your history for 50 years oh, at wow. Radnor Baptist Church in Sunset Hills I wrote it down it just take me a minute but things that I remember I don't I don't even need this thing you know? yeah it has to go out all over okay so things that I remembered when uh, I was asked to do this but uh 1972, Steve and his family arrived. I, the first thing was they had some car I had never seen before. I think it was a Honda. Honda. Was it a Honda. Mm -hmm. uh, how they got five people in there, I don't know, but they did. Six. Six. Mm -hmm. Six people. But anyway, I called it the skate on wheels. <laughs> that's what it looked like to me. Uh, we had we've been through the bus ministry together one yeah. time had at least ten buses maybe more you did that yeah uh, we built a new sanctuary at the church that was a big job for most of us and spent uh, 
a year or two doing that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we opened Radnor Baptist Academy. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we we remember the day your 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 dad, our pastor, passed away in the pulpit. Uh, and I can I'll never forget you preaching his funeral. How you did that, I don't know. Then we closed the school at Radnor. We had to close that down because of attendance. And we sold the facility to the St. Edward's Catholic Church, and we began our trip to Nolensville. And through that time, we spent time at worshiping at uh, Oliver Middle School, to, Old, to uh, Nolensville Elementary, and then to the historic school in Nolensville as we made our way here, all working together, loading chairs on trucks every, every Sunday. Yeah. We bought some property on Rocky Fork with the intention of building a church, but God opened up this property. We merged together with the Greystone Church who owned the property at the time and we've been here ever since then. And of course, we have built a new facility. So in a nutshell, that's a lot to that. It is a lot. Yeah. yeah. So we want to congratulate you. We, I will say this, we tried to give your dad a trip to Hawaii one time and he wouldn't go, but this is not a trip to Hawaii. So. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, from the church to you for your and your 50 years of your history. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks Love so you, much, brother. Rich. I love you, too. Well, this is a surprise. God's been faithful in all of that. Even the times that were hard, God was faithful in that. And that's probably... Over my 50 years of being a part of what's Radnor Baptist Church now, Sunset Hills, I think if there's one lesson that stands out above any other is that we can trust God, and he's always faithful. Always. And he's going to continue to be in the next 50 years that I've served as pastor here. I know that to be true. Thank you so much, church. I wish my dad and mom could have been here to celebrate the 50 years. But I'm grateful for they are. And it's our prayer that more people will come to know Jesus Christ that when life ends, they will have that same assurance of going to heaven as mom and dad has done. Amen. Pray with me as we close in worship. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness, God. Lord, thank you for um, the opportunity to serve here in this great community, uh, these great folks, and a great church, God. Lord, let us continue to uh, work hard until you come back and draw others to you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Have a great Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.